You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. episode we'll be talking about pink floyd the wall on the line i have rob finn (laughs) and kyle hi there the wall is the 11th studio album by the english rock band pink floyd released on the 30th of november 1979 on harvest and columbia records the producer was bob ezrin david gilmore james guthrie and roger waters and the genre is art rock progressive rock uh, and progressive pop. I'm going to read from All Music Review, Rave Staff. The Wall was Roger Waters' crowning accomplishment in Pink Floyd. It documented the rise and fall of a rock star named Pink Floyd based on Waters' own experiences and the tendencies which he observed in people around him. By then, the basses had firm control of the group's direction, working mostly alongside David Gilmore and bringing in producer Bob Ezrin as an outside collaborator. Drummer Nick Mason was barely involved, while keyboardist Rick Wright seemed to be completely out of the picture. Still, The Wall was a mighty, sprawling affair, featuring 26 songs with vocals nearly as many as all previous Floyd albums combined. The story revolves around a fictional Pink Floyd's isolation behind a psychological wall. The wall grows as various parts of his life spin out of control, and he grows incapable of dealing with his neuroses. The album opens by welcoming the unwitting listener to Floyd's show, then turns back to childhood memories of his father's death in World War II, his mother's overprotectiveness, and the fascination with fear and sex. By the time Goodbye Cruel World closes the first disc, the wall is built, and Pink is trapped in the midst of a mental breakdown. On disc two, the gentle acoustic phrasing of Is Anybody Out There? and the Lilith orchestration of Nobody's Home reinforce Floyd's feeling of isolation. When his record company uses drugs to coax him to perform, his onstage persona is transformed into a homophobic, race-baiting fascist. In the trial, he mentally persecutes himself, and the wall comes tumbling down. This ambitious concept album was an across-the-board smash, topping the British album chart for 15 weeks in 1980. The single Another Brick in the Wall Part 2 was the country's bestseller for four weeks. The wall sprawled 
an elaborate stage show, so elaborate in fact that the band was able to bring it only to a few cities in a full-length film. It also marked the last time Waters and Gilmore would work together as equal partners. All right, what do we think of Pink Floyd, The Wall? Greatest albums of all time. Of all time. It it definitely is probably, you know, top concept albums, in my opinion. Top, I mean, top five at least. Maybe maybe the greatest concept uh, record. Sure. I don't think I've listened to this since I wore it out in high school. <clears throat> but these last two weeks I've been listening. I had forgotten just how stellar it is. It, it, it's immaculate. Like, it's a masterpiece. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I was surprised to, to read some of the reviews that thought it was overindulgent. Um, they kind of poked fun at uh, Village Voice and Robert Christgau, of course, uh, regarded as a, a dumb tribulations of a rock star epic, uh, backed by kitschy, minimal, um, maximalist with sound effects and speech fa- fragments. So, they, you know, New, New York Times thought it was self-indulgent, uh, presents a self-pity of this rich, famous, and decidedly post-adolescent protagonist as a species of heroism. So, I get that. They kind of were a little harsh. Yeah, no, I I understand, you know, some criticism, but the musicality of this album, I think, far and above the scope of of what they're they're, uh, conveying in this album. I mean, these these are probably the same Jags that were, uh, like, super into Tommy, you know? Like, it, as far as, like, rock opera is concerned, this is a, I don't know if we've, if, if if we'll ever get to anything that's like better than this like record, like full on like concept and you know, it's Pink Floyd. It's recorded them just absolutely immaculately. <laughs> like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's just, um, so I mean, I feel like Pink Floyd is one of those bands that you, you get into in high school. Typically, mm-hmm. where did you guys, how did you guys get into this album? I'm just curious. Probably, it's the first time you listened to Pink Floyd, The Wall. I'm, I'm sure I saw a poster up at Karma when I was in high school. And I was, I don't have older siblings. Uh, it, the imagery looked cool. I'd heard Pink Floyd was yeah. a cool band. You know, I had $11 in my pocket. So I picked up The Wall. Yeah, nice. I'm pretty sure I watched The Wall at your place, Kyle. At some <laughs> point on VHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I... I had an older brother um, who was into Pink Floyd when he was in high school. I was probably, I want to say six, like almost junior high, not quite. And yeah, it blew me away. The songs were just so, you know, they're well constructed. And the ideas of having this these sort of like noises and things surrounding you is was amazing. I couldn't believe it. And then a couple of years later... I think he had a, a VHS copy of the wall and mm-hmm. that was just, I mean, it's game over when, when you sort sort of get into these high concept, you realize that music to me, it, it pushes music into another level. That's I think why I like Pink Floyd so much is because yeah, I listen to the Rolling Stones. Don't get me wrong. I probably listen to them a lot more than Pink Floyd, but for Pink Floyd, there's something about having uh, almost like high, you would call it high art or something that that ch- changes your perception of listening to music and experience 
experiencing albums in a different way than having a song that has, you know, there's 10 songs, it's 30 minutes long or something. This is, this is a whole different yeah, idea. Um, my freshman year, I was in a, in drama, drama class. <laughs> really? And, um, <laughs> <Go on. laughs> yeah, imagine that. But there was like a cool dude sitting in front of me who was like a, like a, a, a senior and uh, we were talking about Halloween costumes and he, he turned around and he's like, I'm going to shave my eyebrows and my head and be like pink from Pink Floyd the Wall. I was like, cool. He's like, have you seen Pink Floyd the Wall? And I was like, no. And he like turned around like he just turned his back on me. And I was like, but I've, I've heard the album. And he turned back around. He was like, I'll hook you up. And the next day he brought me uh, Pink Floyd the Wall on VHS. Heck yeah. I was like, this is, what is this? And I just watched it a thousand times. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is just, it's teenager bait. It's, it's alienated, uh, you know, young male teenager bait. Um, But I got obsessed with it. I got obsessed with Roger Waters, uh, the wall. Have you guys watched that? Yeah. When he performed the wall in uh, 1990. It's it's crazy because I mean I, I watched it like a few years after it happened and it was already like so old seeming because it was like Roger Waters performing the wall. He's playing this record uh in Berlin right after the wall fell in nineteen ninety. And um Tim Curry's there, uh Thomas Dolby is playing the teacher. He jumps out from behind a little bit of the wall and he's playing a guitar and like jumping around like <laughs> Sinead O'Connor does mother. Um <laughs> Roger Waters complained that Sinead O'Connor wanted to turn a uh, mother into a rap song. Um, <laughs> the Hooters are there. Uh, the band is there. Van Morrison uh, does an astonishing, yes. astonishing uh, version of uh, Comfortably Numb, which was oh. used in the movie The Departed. And Cindy Lauper, yeah, she does another Brick in the Wall part too. Like, it's just so baffling. Like, I remember watching it in like, 93 94 and already it was like so dated like the scorpions come out and do in the flesh of course they do they have to <laughs> if the they like i rented the, the wall yeah if it pops the wall scorpions will be there i rented the vhs from a comic book store and i didn't know that there were guest performers so when i popped it in i was like is that roger waters and it's like the scorpions <laughs> um <laughs> so uh yeah this is this album is everything to me. Uh, as a as a young man who uh, had a, a limited voice and a rudimentary like understanding of how to play the bass, I always loved Roger Waters. Ah, um, yeah, yeah. I felt the same way about David Gilmore. I mean, his guitar playing is ah. them together is is incredible. Not to say that the uh, other bandmates aren't aren't quite exceptional. It's just. Yeah, having them team up together, it, it really made something special. Uh, yeah, um, his guitar playing on this album is astonishing. Even when he's got like the 30-second guitar solo on Mother, it's it's incredible. Um, and yeah, it's bloated, and yeah, it's self-indulgent, and it's amazing. So, what? I love this record, yeah. <laughs> Bam, like, let yeah. it's, it's okay. Yeah. Like, if the bloat serves a purpose, let it be bloated. You know, I don't want fucking meatloaf to be stripped down, and I sure as shit doesn't don't want Pink Floyd to like tone it down, boys. It's a little much, you know. Like, there's nothing, like yeah. nothing, nothing in my cans just like is crying out as like, oh, that's a little bit too much of this guy. That's a little bit too much of this guy. You know, like this is. A, sure. I mean, granted, Bob Ezrin was just like you know 
reeling everything in. Like he is all over this. Oh, yeah. he, he is. He oh, is the, yeah, yeah. he's, he's the fifth pink Floydist or the fifth beetle for pink Floyd, whatever that you guys f- f- fix that in post, whatever that, that analogy <laughs> is. is instrumental in delivering this baby. Yeah. Uh, it, it, he, he, like, oh, uh, Roger Waters, basically his attitude towards Bob Ezrin, which I believe he, he was one that wanted to bring him in anyway. But uh, it was uh, write anything you want. You won't get any credit. <laughs> and then he had buttons made that said, nope, on him for no points. Ezra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Roger Waters was petty as fuck. <laughs> Uh, for a long time, for a long time, he stopped being petty in like the early two thousands. Like this, this record's so catty. Like um, uh, the song "Nobody Home." He's like uh, dissing the keyboardist for doing blow. Like it's this album is I don't know. And Rick Wright was was fired during the making of this album. He stayed. They kept him on as a as a salaried yeah. musician. Yeah. He was he was rumored to be the only person who made money on the the wall tours because he was yeah, a hired gun and it obviously lost money because it was so expensive to put on the shows uh, because of the set uh, the elaborate set that where they would build a wall a literal wall on stage and then tear it down at the end um, with all these music cues and all these um, extra you know roadies and things like that. Giant production. Uh, have you, have any of you guys listened to the uh, official live record of this um, from the I original, not, like nineteen eighty? No. It is great. Um, I remember when it came out. It was in the early two thousands. I've been waiting for it to come out. Um, the sound quality is astonishing. Um, it's very very rocking. A lot of people <laughs> give shit uh, about Pink Floyd not being able to rock. They could rock. God damn it. They rocked in the late seventies. <laughs> No, they absolutely can. I, I was, uh, yeah, I was surprised how many of the lyrics and how, how this is sort of one of those albums that, yeah, you'd probably listen to when you're younger and it sort of comes back to you. I was surprised to uh, uh, think about more what was going on at this time with Another One Bites the Dust and how that fit into Another Brick in the Wall Part 2, having that disco beat having just re- reviewed uh, or talked about Sheik and some of these other bands, I had what, never Disco put Floyd? that together. Disco. I just, yeah, that was Ezrin. Ezrin yeah. presented that to Waters and Waters was like, I don't know about this, but uh, yeah, one of the greatest hits. Yeah. Iconic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that was, that was interesting that Ezrin had that. He had those ideas that sort of pushed them out of, um, maybe being a little too high-minded uh, about this, maybe reeling it in so that they weren't, they didn't get too outside the box. And I think that maybe uh, kept them from being even more abstract in their approach to this album. Yeah. My, my introduction to the concept of disco Floyd was from freaks and geeks where uh, Joel from MST three K's, the, oh, uh, the DJ and he's Parisian like, night too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's just like, <laughs> I mean, Everything is disco now, man. Stones went disco. Floyd went disco. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> and Run Like Hell is a straight up disco song as well. Hell yeah, man. And that's a good song. Oh, yeah. We don't need no education. 
only ever listened to this on a double compact disc in the 1990s uh i i didn't know where the side breaks were for for the albums but uh looking at it like looking at the track listing with the breaks in there it is so perfectly a story in four acts like Mm -hmm. each side Mm -hmm. is absolutely its own little chapter you know yeah, yeah, you're you're right, and maybe that's that's one of the reasons that it it is the, I guess, most highly regarded concept album is it really does present almost like an opera, or a, a, you know, it has that that story that self contained story mm-hmm. on each side. This each was side the first beautiful. This is the first time I listened to this where I I was wearing headphones and I had never noticed like at the very oh, beginning yeah. Yeah. where oh like gosh. it's you can. Just, just kind of here came in and then at the very end like oh, this is, is this where i had no fucking clue like it was just like a whoop i should have expected it from what they yeah. did with yeah. uh the dark side but yeah man like oh the fucking keyboards on this song here yeah uh this is, yeah I, and honestly goodbye, I, didn't, I, I, space, oh, goodbye, yeah. yeah goodbye blues Th- thank you yeah like i i didn't realize I had never like looked at the track listing. Like when I was listening to this record, like all the way through, like this is crazy talk. <laughs> like yeah, so, Rob, um, songs that I just thought were like, you know, single songs are broken into three fucking parts for like, yeah. One, one like radio track. And started, um, really obsessed with like uh sound effects and, and records um, to the point where, I mean, they did uh, uh, the final cut. Mm-hmm. And then Roger Waters did pros and cons of hitchhiking. You recommend that I could one? Talk about too. Um, yes, even though it has your your guys' favorite musician, Eric Clapton. Roger Waters presented um, two concept records to Pink Floyd. Um, one was the Wall, and one was the pros and cons of hitchhiking. And they went with the Wall. And he did pros and cons as his first solo record. Mm-hmm. Um, right before the band dissolved and then reformed. Um, but Roger Waters was weirdly obsessed with sound effects on records. Like if you listen to his solo records, they they become more and more prominent. Um, the nineteen ninety two album uh, "Amused to Death," his solo record, which I think is a masterpiece, was recorded with Q sound. And if you opened up like the little CD booklet, it was like put on your headphones and sit this far from the CD player. And if the dog barking sounds like he's about three hundred feet to the left, then you are properly <laughs> aligned with Q sound. Like, oh wow, <laughs> wow! I, I've never heard that. It, yeah. Did, are there many albums recorded in this format? No. <laughs> um, there are some Capcom fighting games that are. <laughs> and I, I was reading about the sound effects too. App- apparently, uh, Roger and and Bob were just having fun, smashing TVs and doing stuff. And then the yeah. the phone call, like the collect call, like this is Mister Mister Floyd calling for Mrs. Floyd, and then just hang up. 
that was Roger recording himself prank calling collect the drummer Nick Mason without him knowing it. So, so oh, like, it, so the operator is an un, uh, not knowing that she is an, uh, a partic- unknown participant in it, and uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and then just the the abrupt hang up is that's a. Uh, Nick Mason on the other end. <laughs> and all the sound effects that, and that that's fucking amazing. But all the sound effects stuff, like Kyle, I was thinking about uh Queensryche and Here we go. fucking mind crime. Like just like my language, yeah. Just all of or even like uh, you know, no more tears era like uh Ozzy Osbourne, which I guess is probably right around mind crime, but like all of this like continues like being in like Prague and metal is a uh like just this is how you build tracks. It it, it bled right yeah. into it. It's so cool. Yeah, I was going to mention that the 16 track recordings from these sessions were mixed down and copied to a 24 track master uh, as guide tracks for the rest of the band to play to. This gave the engineers greater flexibility, also improved the audio quality of the mix. The original 16 track drum recordings were uh, synced to the 24 track master and the duplicated guide tracks removed. Ezrin later uh, related that the band's alarmed of this method of working. They apparently viewed the erasure of material from the 24 track master as witchcraft. (laughs) witchcraft. Uh, So yeah, they're working with 24 tracks here and it's, it's Bob Ezrin, you know, who's a pro at, uh, sort of bouncing these tracks and, and creating this material. So they obviously have, you know, enough to put in these extra sound effects and these overlaying guitars and different things. It's real. It's a real step up. Two producers outside of David Gilmore and Roger Waters. You got Bob Evans, uh, Bob Ezrin, and James Guthrie. <laughs> I wish uh, it was Bob Evans on this. And some gravy. Give me a gravy in a bowl. And like apparently, when James Guthrie, who, who will have, he, he, I forget if he's worked with Pink Floyd previous to this, but he'll go on to work with Pink Floyd through a lot of the the '80s. When he came in and he sees Bob Ezrin standing there, he did not realize he uh, felt like they were both hired for the same gig, but it almost seems like, and I could be wrong. seems like James Guthrie is doing more of the engineering and Bob Everett, Bob Ezrin is there almost as like a creative consultant a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. kind of just t- tying yeah. this thing together. But that was just kind of the vibe that, that I got from, uh, reading about it. I think he's, pretty much he's like his or like the orchestration that Ezrin was doing for kiss it seems really likely he was also doing all the orchestration stuff like uh for this record as well um it's kind of yeah he brought him in yeah i think he uh asked for for those uh those tracks to be uh you know worked in for those the orchestra players to come in and and be in there uh i um got an epic argument with uh a guitarist from the sump pumps and uh a friend of mine since i was like 12 we were talking about this song and i insisted that the lyric was rock and roll refugee and he insisted (laughs) like beat it his beat his hands on a desk that the lyric was rock and roll rub a titty (laughs) 
no, it's rock and roll rub a titty. So who was right? It's like, no, no, Jeremy, no. <laughs> he was also the one that wrote on our refrigerator, uh, United We Stand, Divided We Fall after like Chris was about to quit the band in 99. Oh, that's from the record. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it all comes back to the wall, man. Oh, back to the wall. It all comes back to the wall. It's like a cycle. It's it like is. a loop. Uh, did anyone see? Did anyone see Roger Waters perform the Wall uh, in what 2012? Uh, I took my dad no, to see it in Indianapolis. Uh, one of the greatest concerts I've ever mm. seen. Oh yeah, oh, man, in my life. Yeah, I smoked weed with my dad for the first time. Somebody passed us a joint. <laughs> you guys remember concerts? <laughs> you guys remember passing <laughs> 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 joints <laughs> with strangers? <laughs> This might have been in the sixties. We were just licking other people's spit. <laughs> we came oh, home all high, man. and my mom was like, "You seem kind of sleepy." To my dad, and I was like, "You don't understand the sonic onslaught that we just experienced." <laughs> my dad was just really high. <laughs> I was reading about so, uh, like the character Pink. Uh, you know, it's a mm-hmm. blend. Of- Roger Waters and and Sid Barrett's histories. I think I think it was Bob Ezrin that pulled in some of the like more of the Sid Barrett storyline, make it less just like Roger Waters autobiographical. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, but uh, I I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier about you know Pink like Pink Floyd and their creative output being almost like a a higher art. Then, like, like the, the the what's put into it, the craftsmanship, the the intention, and uh, that's uh, obviously the way that at least most of the members of the band feel like it. So they're in the Flesh tour, which I believe was the music, the tour for Animals, uh, just before this was their first stadium yep. tour, and Roger Waters was kind of hating it because. He wanted the, he's used to like more intimate crowds that are there in like a theater setting for the Pink Floyd experience and playing to people in a, in a stadium and arena. They're, they're not, they're there for the scene sometimes, you know, like it, it's a fun event to go to. And Roger Waters started fantasizing about, man, I wish we could just have a wall built between like us and and the and, and the crowd and we could play behind it and th- th- he was just kind of like rolling that imagery around like wishing that was possible meanwhile rowdy members of the crowd were more and more just getting to him and there was an instant i didn't write down where it was where he he spit, he spit on, on him. him and it seemed like after that he kind of just did some major introspection kind of like who, who who am i spitting spitting on people that are coming to see my show and i'm making it like i don't have any source for this but it seems almost like the 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 fourth act of this with uh like the, the where the show's a fascist rally it almost seems like that's just like an exaggeration of maybe some like how he was feeling spawning from the spitting incident Almost like like just taking that to like almost an exaggerated cartoonish level. Like, I don't I mean, know. Or, or maybe he was just talking to his best friend, Eric Clapton, like and getting Uh-oh. some really good ideas off of him. I think. 
I think you're right. No, I think you're right, Ben, because that is the you're right. He saw that there was a road that he was going down. Once you get to that level of fame, that that big that big stadium, you have to act a certain way. I mean, we expect uh, these rock stars or the, these famous people to be a certain way in you do have to make a decision whether or not you want to present yourself in that way or 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 which way how do you cope with that that sort of element that's why I, I think those critics were a little harsh because at this time too they were really sunk for cash yeah, they were I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're ma- yeah their managers had stole all their money and so they were Actually, even though they had kind of broken through with Darkseid, they were kind of strapped for cash and uh, even making this record as 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 a strange and interesting as as it was. I mean, they're, they're taking a real chance here. So I don't fault someone for, you know, kind of speaking from their own experiences and in trying to convey these different ideas that they have. I, I find it fascinating that uh, they're willing to do that. They could have, you know, done anything, but obviously it's Pink Floyd. They're going to, they're going to do with. Well, what, I had read that Ezrin know. like came out with scripts basically and like handed it to everybody. And like, they kind of did a table read and were like, Oh, I can hear what's going on here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and then that's how the concept was able yep. to like be sold to the rest of the band was off of <laughs> a table read more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Like a movie. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it yeah. took. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he was the right producer to, to sort of control it, pull it together. It's amazing. And then, of course, when you listen to this album, how can you not envision a movie there's even based oh, on this album? Yeah, it's a yeah. It's it's sound effects. You can you can you can hear what's literally going on. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's modernist. I remember being. He says roll roll the sound effects. as a teenager knowing that the wall the album came out before the wall the movie but watching the wall the movie and hearing the sound bites that i knew from the album and i i didn't think of them as like foley effects that were recorded for the album that were reproduced in the movie i'm like man how does sound from the movie get on the album like how does it schoolmaster get on the album mm. Yeah. Like, did they hire him four years ago? Because they knew they were making a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I, I haven't I haven't looked at it in a while. I think in the UK they did release like a Pink Floyd the Wall soundtrack LP. I think it definitely had when the Tigers broke free, um, which is in the movie but not on the record. Um, and there's probably some different mixes there. Yeah. Uh, I do have to mention one thing uh, about the movie, which is kind of hilarious. Oh, well, two things. Uh, it premiered at Cannes, uh, Cannes Film Festival in 1982 at midnight. It was a ruckus affair, it said. And of course, it's a uh, uh, Bob uh, Geldorf yeah. of the Boomtown Rats mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. P- plays Pink, and there's some other uh, famous. Bob Hoskins. Slightly famous, I guess, for Americans. He's like the the manager, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love Bob Hoskins as the manager. Um, When I was watching it with Anne for the first time, uh, I think last year. Yeah, last year. She had never seen The Wall. And I said, oh, yeah, we're going to watch The Wall. It's a great, great movie. It's interesting concept and everything. When they get to the judge at the end, we had a fight. Because she said it was a vagina with big lips, and I it's said it bu- was balls. the mouth is the butthole. It's you're looking at the it's back balls. of the ass, and it's the yeah. mouth is the butthole, and you've got the fruit basket yep. hanging down. Yeah, yeah, I know, and I, right I, there. Kyle <laughs> was the decider. <laughs> I know, <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, Kyle was the determinant, and I said, can. If I ask Kyle, can he decide, you know, what it is? And yeah, Kyle backed me up that it was, uh, it was just balls <laughs> hanging down. <laughs> yeah, I remember when Ann was like uh, talking about that record like a few years ago. And I I was I was like, I don't know. You know, it's it's a dude's point of view and it's a little embarrassing. I mean, he's I mean, Pink's. Yeah, she thought it was m- more of a, you know, a commentary about oppressive women that he was being misogynist against women and they were coming. I mean, there's plenty of that, you know, yeah, they were out, out to get him. Oh, there's plenty of that. I, 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 I I can back, back (laughs) up. Yeah. And I I was like, yeah, no, don't get me wrong. Like there's tons of that in this movie, but the specifically is a different, it's an asshole with balls, (laughs) especially, uh, and since like, this is inside pink's own mind. He's judging himself. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're watching the 1990 uh, Roger Waters live at Berlin, then it's um, Tim Curry. (laughs) With balls on his chin? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we've we've come to Goodbye Cruel World in our cans. um, And I wrote down next to it, Pink is a fucking diva. But also, and more importantly, is... This reminded me a whole lot of uh, the outro of Oh Jim from uh, Berlin, uh, Lou Reed's uh, album. And I don't know if that's intentional or not. True. Um, yeah, hmm. like just uh, when you're staring through the eyes of hate, like that, like just kind of like singing over a very minimalist thing. Like it, it, it reminded me quite a bit. And I don't know if Ezra had anything to do with. Uh, I don't remember. It might be, man. It might be. Yeah, I think he was mm. the producer for Berlin. Yeah. Well, yeah, that would, that would do it. <laughs> uh, one more one more uh, tidbit about this album. It plays on a continuous loop. I always thought that was so oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, when, when albums can, can do that. So at the very yeah. end. When he's finally outside the wall, yeah, he's actually, just going to start constructing the wall again. 
I'm sorry. Uh, I was very excited at 8 a.m. when Rob texted and asked what the uh, bass mask, the back masking message was on. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it? It's um. Is there anybody out there? What is it? Uh, no, it's uh... no empty spaces. Yeah, empty spaces. Yeah, and it's congratulations. You have just discovered the secret message. <laughs> um, <laughs> the previous album, Animals, they also had a a, bas- a back masking message that was like, "You've just found the secret." Uh, email or no, mail your answer to Pink Floyd, care of the Funny Farm. Like they say, the fun- Roger Waters Funny Farm on this one. Roger Waters is is dour as hell, but he loves like back masking like jokes. <laughs> Which big, I love. Big mouth Billy back masking. <laughs> I, would, I would buy that. <laughs> I would too. Kill, yeah, kill, it sings the, kill your the songs backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, guys. Um, I, I'll just say I hadn't listened to this since like I was a, a teen. And it's so much better than I remember it being. Same, this, man. Yeah, I, I'm so fucking excited that we got to talk about this and I got to revisit it as a an adult. Really, really cool. I revisited the movie last night, even since we weren't recording. I, had, oh, really? I hadn't watched that since I was probably 14. I, it's, it's a bummer. And, well, yeah, it's a bummer. It's a stone cold bummer. But it, it's a really cool film. Those animation sequences, like the, the, yeah. the visuals. Yeah. I can see someone you know, going to that film and thinking there's no way this is going to live up to the album and it, it gets close. If not, you know, compliment, I mean, it complements it very well. I'm, I'm very impressed that, that, you know, as a young man from the 1990s, I'll tell you like Uh trying to uh, like, you know, hold hands or make out with a girl at the planetarium while laser Floyd was playing. Also it it really did uh, like it, it held up to the whole experience of the uh, the album, so I'm I'm right there with you. Rob, thank you, thank you for bringing up Laser Floyd. <laughs> I went to that shit like four times at the. Uh, was that the Children's Museum? It was Rob? the Children's Museum. Was it in the planetarium, Rob. All right, and then we would go to Denny's afterwards and chain smoke cigarettes and eat curly fries. Pick out Rob <laughs> under the stars. <laughs> <laughs> At least they did in the <laughs> Oh, I'm dying. Oh man, you know it's really sad. My wife hates Pink Floyd more than anything in the whole wide world. And oh no. Consistently with, during this like thing, I've been like, Sheila, Pink Floyd's really good. And she's like, I don't even know you anymore. I thought it would I thought Rob, it would be 52 <laughs> Do you need help? Do you want me to come over in the whole for a week? Oh <laughs> she hates everything. It's <laughs> I I feel you though, Rob. I I do think that uh, like a lot of bands, Pink Floyd gets lumped into uh, hippie culture, jam bands. You know, more of the I don't know what you'd say those the Grateful Dead, Fish. You know, when people say Pink Floyd, they don't think they think of this like psychedelic experience band, which they you know, obviously are, but I feel like they have, they're more of a rock band. They, they're more of a straightforward, you know, blues rock kind of rock band. They just have some good chord, amazing chord progression and outside yeah. the box ideas. 
that they just bring yeah, they're, in. They're, they're, they're fucking incredible. Um, Rob, and... I'm taking a week off of work and I'm coming over. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to figure this thing out. Birch, what did you think of this record? Uh, masterpiece. I mean, this, this album is incredible. There's, there's no denying that, that from start to finish, I mean, this thing just moves in perfect synchronicity um, with the concept, the ideas. And yeah, the music's beautiful, touching. It has something to say. Uh, yeah, you could say it's self-indulgent or a little over the top, but it works really well. Maybe your wife has, brought, has built up a wall around pink floyd she she needs to break Send through that, that wall. text message for me please <laughs> <laughs> um the, the only thing that i would say about this record and that and it's apropos of nothing but like first time re-listening to it forever i kind of wish pink had just killed himself like the whole like goodbye uh, thing no. and then and then everything else after that was kind of like the uh like kind of wish fulfillment and that's a uh, I mean that that was that was I wrote that down. That was one of my like my little things. I, I don't think it's necessary, um, but I do think that the side D on this you know, far any uh, any four act like For musical me, side D. It's tough uh, because they need to wrap the whole thing up. The yeah. last three tracks on side D stop which is just short. Uh, the trial, which I think is a lot of Ezrin. It get, the trial gets kind of goofy, but again, you need it to tell the story. And yeah. then outside the wall, I, I honestly, it wouldn't be a good concept, but I could kind of stop listening uh, after waiting for the worms. Yep. But like from, from show must go on to in the flesh, to run what? like hell, to waiting for the worms, that four song set on side, on side D I'm really into. I agree. Hmm. I hear what you guys are saying. Um, ending's a little undercooked. Um, with live shows, they've kind of fleshed it out a little bit. But I, I, I can see what you're saying based on, on just the record. Yeah, and, and again, this this was a this was just an, an observation that I that that ran through my brain, and I I don't think it's. I mean, clearly this this album is wonderful incredible and one of the best records ever made but like that 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 was just a thing that went through my brain uh first time revisiting Mm -hmm. but that doesn't line up with the entire concept of the record just 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 cut that out we'll we'll just (laughs) no it's valid it's valid bro it's valid (laughs) no it's totally true yeah the the trial does slow down i mean it it slows down the it becomes more uh, show tunesy than than a lot of the other uh, uh, elements of it. I mean, he's he's you know he's saying crazy, and it kind of goes into oh, a, he's in the attic. Uh, yeah, it, it's a, yeah, it's, and then all the women of his life yeah, it's come a out. Performance, and, yeah. performative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's true. It's less of a of a song and more of a yeah. You feel like you're watching a, mm-hmm. a stage show. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Great album, though. Everybody should check out The Wall. If anybody hasn't listened to The Wall, Jesus. Get some headphones, too. Yes, listen to it I, on I headphones. Definitely. It, so I first listened to this record. Every Pink Floyd album. Teenager. 
Listen. Yeah. Q sound. All right. <laughs> Is that Q, barking okay, across Q the sound. street on the left side? <laughs> All right. Next time we'll be talking about Public Image Limited Metal Box. All right. Thank you. Do you think she's good enough?